Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us everything we need for living a godly life. We lack absolutely nothing. I pray you'll make that really clear today. Show us how we can keep our eyes focused on you. That you want to transform us from the inside out. Transform our minds so that out through our body come the actions of one who loves you and will love others. Teach us what that will look like each day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of people think they can't do anything. They feel like they're a failure. They're not good enough. They're failures and just mess everything up. I grew up believing that about myself for a long time. There's still moments where I feel like that. And I'm sure there are others who do that too. But today, I want to challenge us to go a little deeper and take a look at this idea of accepting and appropriating good news. This comes from this verse. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Today we're going to talk about the bring good news and next week, clearly, because there's no way I can finish, it'll be, uh, we're going to deal with the afflicted and how to deal with hurt and what happens when hurt comes on us uh, as a blind side. Let's take a look at what happened to some people in history uh, when it comes to um, dealing with failures and rejections. Volume, please. Dismissed from drama school with a note that read, wasting her time, she's too shy to put her best foot forward. Turned down by the Decca recording company who said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. A failed soldier, farmer, and real estate agent. At 38 years old, he went to work for his father as a handyman. Cut from the high school basketball team, he went home, locked himself in his room, and cried. A teacher told him he was too stupid to learn anything, and he should go into a field where he might succeed by virtue of his pleasant personality. Fired from a newspaper because he lacked imagination and had no original ideas. His fiance died, he failed in business twice, he had a nervous breakdown, and he was defeated in eight elections. If you've never failed, you've never lived. A lot of people won't take risks. You're too scared. I've been too scared. I, I'm still scared on stuff. <laughs> but that is not who I am. And the more I discover who I really am, I want to live out of the real life that's in me and not allow fear to dominate my thinking. I think we need to be in the same boat, same idea. So today, I want to declare that we must accept and appropriate the good news if we want to experience God's life live through us if we want to live victoriously. It's a shame if we look around the world <laughs> that people who are most miserable are either hurting people or churched people. Really, and usually the same thing. Okay? Not that uh, hurting people are, are churched, but there are people who have been hurt by society who are miserable, and there are churched people who have bought into lies called dead religion. We've been unlearning religion here since I arrived. I've been unlearning for 15 years. The system of trying to be right with a living God who already sees us as right. He's made us righteous in right standing with him. But we all know people that have been ambushed by religion. They took their focus off Jesus. It happens. They put it on their own performance. 
and becomes more about living a religious lifestyle than about walking with Jesus. Nothing kills faster than dead religion. It also causes you to become bitter, sour, and plain old miserable human being. Some of the most miserable people, even if you, you, you bump into them, they're pretty miserable. There's a reason. And if Christ in you gives you the eyes to see, you'll actually see them with love. Instead of, I don't want to be around them. That's really hard to do, <laughs> to see now. But nothing kills faster than that. The gospel we have is good news. And I'd like to see good news lived out very well. I want to be exciting. It doesn't have to look exciting to the outward people, but in my heart, I want to experience the joy and excitement of Jesus Christ. I read of an article of, uh, between two birds. The uh, first one was a vulture whose primary goal is to look for dead things and eat off dead things. Okay? It's just gross. They don't see the living, they only see the dead things. Then we have hummingbird. Both can live in a desert. Both look for different things. This one will find the sweet nectar of a beautiful flower wherever it goes. Beautiful thing to watch. It only looks for the good stuff. Its focus is on that. Each of us, in the same way, has a view of our world. Each of us has a perspective, a lens. Some see the world through a dark lens, causing it to be more pessimistic. Others see it with a more positive lens, more optimistic. Neither one is right or wrong. But one will definitely benefit you more if you can begin to see things through a positive lens. Every person has an underlying attitude. Every single one has an underlying attitude. You can either be this, or you can be that. Or you can be this, or that. Anyway, that is a fact. Simon has taught us a lot. Much has been written and spoken about the importance of positive mental attitudes. However, I want to say this clearly. While it is true that a positive attitude is better than a negative one, but just thinking positively isn't enough. There's a big difference between empty positive thinking and grace-based faith. That's what I want to zoom in on. I want to ramp it up, up the ante on what it means to have a positive attitude. There's a legitimate need for an outlook that calls for us to be positive, faith-filled people who anticipate the future with energetic expectancy. What do you expect? Most people will receive what they expect. Sounds strange, but you dig into that long enough, you'll find out. You start looking for dead things, you'll find dead things. Have you ever uh, purchased a car and suddenly everybody else has the same car? Wow, look, there's another one there. There's another, look at all these. I never saw those before. Your awareness changes, and especially when you have your eyes on Christ. And you, God shows you some really amazing things from the Bible. Even one awesome truth that lights up your day, you're going to start to see that same truth in a whole bunch of places and go, what? It's been there the whole, long, whole time and in all these areas too. This is amazing. This good news is better than I thought. And you start to see it and grow and become encouraged and it's exciting. A person's faith is no more valuable than the object upon which it rests. I have my faith in Christ. Some people say they have faith in faith. What's that? 
Okay, it's an empty thing. The foundation for Christian optimism is Christ. Our object of faith is Jesus. He is the answer. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. Isaiah is declaring to you and I today, you've been created, anointed by Christ with the spirit of Christ in you to bring good news to people. Not bad news, Good news. What is this good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Contrary to what many people believe in the church today. God's kingdom is a celebration time. It's, to, it's a place to celebrate the kingdom of God. That's what this earthly life is about now. Celebrating him in everything we do. Faith in faith will bring disappointment. But when we place our faith in God... That act of placing faith in him can totally change your life. Completely. As a believer, you have every reason to be filled with optimism about your future. You do not have to be afraid. When you are afraid, you are thinking what? Fearful thoughts. It's okay, those thoughts come. But you don't stay there in the spin cycle of them. You've got to find a way out. Sometimes with the help of another brother or sister. You've not been created to be fearful. He did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of what? Power, love, and sound mind. mind. Yes, absolutely. Be who you are. If I have my uh, brother-in-law, Kevin, you know, let's say we get into a a spat, you know, and uh, he starts huffing and puffing and whining about something, I'll say, be a man, you know? He'll he'll punch me for that. But, no, I'm kidding. But what, no, I probably will, but anyway. um, (laughs) The point is, am I telling him to be a man, really? No. See, act like who you are. You are a man, now be it. Be a woman. Be the woman you are. Be the man you are. Be the believer you are. It's not saying try, to, try harder to become something you already are. That's not what we're saying. There is good news. It shall be done according to your faith, we are told. If you want to live your dream, you must embrace a faith-filled, Christ-centered, positive attitude. Many believers live far beneath their potential because of what they think. It's up here the battle takes place. It's up here all the problems of belief take place. Expectations happen here. You wouldn't believe the expectations that we put on each other. The expectations on me as a pastor, it's hilarious. If there's 150 people here, there's 150 different job descriptions. There's no way I can meet all those needs. It happens up here. It's your expectation, not mine. And with our spouses, with our kids, expectations. Yesterday I did something stupid. I got frustrated because I had an expectation. It was my fault. It was stupid. Oops. And I had to repent. But it was an expectation. I was not thinking. The problem was here. And the more we recognize and take ownership of our thoughts, the more we're going to experience victory. It shall be done according to your faith, Jesus told one man who desperately needed to see his circumstances change in Matthew 9, 29. Jesus wanted to do something beautiful in that blind man's life. He says, do you want to be healed? If you read that story, a couple of healings before that, each one of them, he said, according to your faith, by your faith, because of your faith, you're healed. What are you thinking about? What is your faith? Do you believe? 
Do you believe that God wants you to experience and enjoy his blessings or not? This is a big one. Some people don't even want to touch the subject right now because I might have to pull and tug at, a, at a, an item in your life you have been comfortably leaving, left buried. Let the Holy Spirit do the yanking of those issues that have to come to the surface. What in you does he want to reveal that's holding you back? Most likely, it's a belief issue of some kind. Do you trust your Heavenly Father? Your answer will reveal what you believe about Him. And here at Hope Fellowship, we are discovering and growing, finding out how good God is. Better than we thought. And the more you believe in a better God than what you've been sold through dead religion, the more you're going to trust this God you say you believe in. As your mind changes. Many have very distorted understandings or perspectives or concepts of God. But having a proper concept of God is going to equip you to believe that he wants to bless you. Or rather that he has already blessed you. He has already blessed you. We'll cover that a little later with Ephesians 1.3. Do you anticipate good things from God or do you expect him to smack you down? Do you expect him to bless you only when you're good or do you expect him to curse you when you're bad? Oh, that was my fault. I did that. That's God punishing me. That is not the God of the new covenant. That's a picture of a flawed old covenant. Israel asked for the rules. God wanted Israel to be a kingdom of priests. And they said, no, give us priests instead. We don't want to be that. And he ushered in the old covenant. Crazy. Just crazy. Make no mistake about it. What we believe about God's working in our lives has an immeasurable effect on how we move ahead and what we will, what we will experience and enjoy in your future. What you believe about him will matter. Israel wandered in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. How many days would it have taken to get from where they started to where they're supposed to be? They took them 40 years, but how many days walking would it have taken? Somebody know? 11. 11 days. They could have been at their destination, but they did not believe. 40 years, an entire generation wandered. I don't want to wait another 40 years. I have learned so much. In fact, when I, when I first became a pastor 25 years ago, I was very zealous. Loved God absolutely, and uh, that was great. Very enthusiastic. Then I discovered my identity in Christ. That had changed everything. That caused some unlearning. Oh, no. Okay, question this. What about that? What about this? And now, even more, it just, it just keep growing. Like, if I learned that much in the last 10 years, how much more in the next 10 years? There is so much more to learn. All of us, we have so much more to learn. Nobody's got it all. And we need to learn from each other. No one person has all of the truth. No one person has the right personality for everybody to hear it. We need to have conversations. We need to share pain. We need to share joy so that it's safe to dig deeper. Do you have a friend you can have spiritual conversations with? Well, whenever you get together, it's just sports and beer and, and wings. And that's all you talk about. That's not the connection you've been created for. That's part of it. And that's fun. I like that part. However, 
the deeper part of experiencing intimacy with each other through a conversation about your spiritual identity. Maybe hard to do, but find that friend. It'll pay off. The Bible says in Hebrews 3.19 that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Do you believe? And by the way, you can't make a person believe. You can only believe what you're already convinced of. The convincing, that's the Holy Spirit. The convicting, convincing, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And until that light bulb comes on in your head of enough faith to say, oh, that, I believe it's true. I may not understand it all, but I know somehow it's true. That's the Holy Spirit, and that's where belief comes from. He initiates it. You get to respond to it. I think it's beautiful. And he's offered faith to all of you. What are you going to do with the faith given to you. Are you going to believe it? Try and manipulate it and control it? Or disbelieve it? It's your choice. Let's stop walking in circles and wandering. There we go. Because of unbelief. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Isn't that pretty? Wait a minute. Did you see the one word? Path of the righteous. I'm not going to make you put your hands up, because if I did, everybody's hands would have to go up, especially believers. You are righteous. Your path is good. Your future is good. You need not be afraid. Since you have been made righteous by Jesus Christ, take a look at Romans 5.17 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. Those promises are directed at you. You are righteous. The path is before you. Take a look at what the Bible says about these verses. Psalm 31.24. Be strong and take courage, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Sometimes we put our hope in our bank account, in our job security, in our relationships. But we're supposed to put our hope in the Lord. In Him. The Lord's, delight, the Lord's delight is in those who put their hope in his unfailing love. For surely you have a future ahead of you. Your hope will not be disappointed. I love this one. This is our church uh, model verse. In fact, we heard it in the child dedication. Here it is. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster. To give you a future and a hope. There is hope for your future. That's a fact. If you choose not to believe it and pull a yeah, but attitude, or the Eeyore, well, I'm not sure. That's your call. I can't change that for you, but I want to speak to your mind now and say, hey, control your thoughts. You have the power to. But some people are hurting and can't get out of their mess. That's a toughie. Don't misunderstand and think that we don't have tough, painful days. We do and will. But it's, even, it's through those tough days we experience the presence of Christ. It's through those difficult times we experience him. You have an anointing by the enabling grace of Christ within you to live a supernatural life. You will accept and appropriate the good news, will you? Won't you? Will you? Please? Think about it. You have to know good news in order to appropriate it. You have to believe the good news in order to let it live through you. The Apostle Paul said this, 
Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to, ever dare to ask or hope. That means your small brain idea that's so amazing, it's a great idea, but comparatively to his unbelievable vision for you, it's so much better than your amazingly big thing, which is small compared to how, how big he can dream for you. And it happens from where? The source within us. It's already in you. This is good news. Dare to dream. Your problem is not your circumstances. Your problem is your lack of belief. We need to experience it. Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope we say we have. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. There is no longer any room for doubt. We can tell others that salvation is ours. For there is no question that he will do what he says. Let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. In the mirror, our conversation echoes his persuasion. His faithfulness backs his promises. You got God on your side. Many Christians want to believe God for great things in their lives, but they've simply had the hope beaten out of them by the circumstances. We have to admit this. This is critical. Otherwise, it's some joy boy, happy-go-lucky teaching. That's not what we're talking about. We're telling you the truth in the scripture. Let the Holy Spirit transform your mind. They have tried and failed. They're worn out. They can't see life as being any different tomorrow than it is today. There are people like this. It's not that they aren't sincere about their commitment to Christ. It's just they're not sure about the sincerity of God's commitment to them. Did you hear that? A lot of people's problems are not their sincerity towards Christ, but they're not sincerely convinced that he is completely for them. I'm here to declare he is. He's for you. I didn't make it up. His word says so. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of hope and good news. You may be weak, but God's royally attracted to you then. God is attracted to weakness. He's drawn to it, not strength. It's the opposite. Tell this to your, your um, think positive books in the bookshelves and your typical bookstores. No, they will not say this. There's no, you've got to be stronger, think positive, and stomp on anyone. Any independence is the right way to go. No, it's not. Dependence is the way to go. We covered that last week. Dependent on your Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit in you. God doesn't bless you because of how well or not well you do. He blesses you because you're in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's good news. Almost done. God has chosen the world's foolish things to shame the wise. God has chosen the world's weak things to shame the strong. God has chosen the world's insignificant and despised things, the things viewed as nothing, so he might bring to, not the, to nothing the things that are viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But from him you are in Christ Jesus, who for us became wisdom from God, as well as the righteousness, sanctification, redemption, in order that, as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. And then 2 Corinthians, it says here, so because of Christ 
I am pleased in weakness. It's backwards to what my mind and our culture says. In insults and catastrophes and persecutions and in pressures. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because the strength that is there is the strength of Christ. Not a self-made strength, self-talk strength. It's when you lay your weakness out, and, out there and say, here I am with all my weaknesses and all of my affliction, it's then that the Lord rushes to your side. He's already there, but you experience the rushing of him to you. He's never left you or forsaken you, remember? It's not like he's away from you and then rushes to you, but you experience that sense of him and his presence in you, around you, encouraging you. Weakness is no excuse to abandon your dreams in life. When a Christian lives the role of a martyr, there is often a deeper problem beneath the surface. The weakness is not the issue, certainly not from God's standpoint. The problem is their lack of trust in Christ. False humility is the worst kind of pride because it's all about me and my deficiencies. Oh, but I can't do this. I can't do that. You're so focused on self. You're so dependent on your own strength to do a good job, really? Get your eyes off yourself. Take a look at this Jesus who loves you, has fully equipped you and empowered you to do all the gift stuff he's given you to do. The talent in this place is unbelievable. You're all good. You will all succeed because the Lord God is your God. He's for you. And if he's for you, who can be against you? Answer? Didn't think so. Very good. Let's pray.